Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. This episode of the Dear NICU Mama podcast is sponsored in part by an educational grant from Prolacta Bioscience. By unlocking the biological power of human milk, Prolacta is changing the lives of critically ill infants around the world. To learn more, visit Prolacta.com. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and... Ashley, and this week's episode is sponsored by DayQuil. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I seriously did. I took DayQuil today, or last night, for the first time in like three years. Um... Because before I've been like, I'm great. I can get by. But I, I, it hurts so bad. My face hurts. My gums are like bleeding because they're so sore from the pressure. Oh, I'm sorry. It's that so sounds cute. miserable. I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> I, to, I like took the toothpick out to my husband. I was like, or, you know, like the little picky, like mm-hmm. the things that have the, you know what I'm talking about. The, the flossers? Little, the flossers. Yeah. There we go. And yeah. I showed it to my husband. I was like, I'm dying. And he was like, go lay down. <laughs> But yeah, he works in a school and got us all sick so he can take a hike. Um, Sounds about right. I know. So fun. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing good. I got to see you last week, which was really fun. The ride home was not fun getting stuck on the interstate in a snowstorm. uh, Really made me question why we live here. But Mm -hmm. seeing you was wonderful. It was so wonderful. But I do. That was a really rough time. And there was a lot of stuff going on. (laughs) For those that Ashley drew, drove like three and a half hours, it should take just like three and a half hours to get here. And the ride home was like, what, seven, eight? It was, a, Six, it was seven, about eight hours. Eight hours. Yep. yep. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Eight hours. Yeah. And you're, you were stuck in the same spot. Thir- you were just 30 minutes away from your home, but you were stuck in the same spot for like three and a half hours. That was crazy. Yep. I'm yep. glad that you survived. It was- it was wild. All of my trauma coping skills yeah. played in clutch in this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, listen, I saw some family members this weekend, and I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I uh, I hope that wherever anybody, the listeners are in their lives, if they live somewhere sunny and warm, if they live somewhere where it's cold, um, we are almost to spring. We're almost out of cold and flu season or the traditional cold and flu season and to the end of school years if you have older kids. And um, just know that as the seasons change, we we see you. We we know where your hearts are at. We feel that very deeply in our bones. And um, <laughs> dear Nikki Mom is here for you the whenever, 24-7, you're <laughs> Even on leap years. Um, today is a wonderful years. day. I actually feel really lovely and ease. Like, so if I was sick and we were we were going to maybe meet with another wonderful person, I might be a little more anxious. But this person today puts me at great ease because they're so wonderful <laughs> and skilled and and wise. Um, 
so we have today, um, coming back as a return guest, um, Frankie from Miracle Moon, Dr. Harrison. Welcome back. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I was very excited to come back. So yeah, lovely to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. We're so excited. And for those that are just tuning into this week's episode, um, if you haven't been listening for season six, we've kind of had this theme of growing our families after NICU, but we wanted to kind of throw in a little bit of a back to the basics of motherhood episode. And we couldn't think of a better guest than Dr. Frankie to talk about this because the whole concept of maternal mental health can feel incredibly overwhelming. But we know that when you become a mom, a lot of things change, right? Not only hormonally, but emotionally add on birth trauma and a NICU stay, and that increases tenfold. And in the day and age of social media, we see a lot of information of what is and what isn't, but A, we don't always know if it's reliable, and yeah. B, it can feel really overwhelming to, to try and like figure out really what you're processing and what you're going through. And so while we are advocates and promoters of maternal mental health therapy and finding that provider for yourself, we also wanted just to provide some basics of what maternal mental health is. And so Dr. Frankie, thank you so much for being here. You are so lovely and we're so excited to dive into this. And I know selfishly, I'm excited for a recap of all of this too. So this is going to be great. <laughs> Yeah, well, fingers crossed. I'm hoping that I can answer as many qu questions as possible. I guess that I I said at the beginning, like I'm UK based, so you guys are going to have to impart what? your US knowledge. No. So. <laughs> yeah, we we will do our best. That was a joke because you've got a delightful accent and we've got the crazy American accents um, with congestion on top. But oh, and uh, definitely go back and listen to um, Dr. Harrison's her her previous episode with us because she really dives deep into some of um, her background and the practice and the founding of Miracle Moon, which is great and a really reliable, trustworthy source of support. We highly encourage you to go follow her on socials and check everything out. Um, but maybe a good place to start is share a little bit about your practice and your, your Nikki story. Again, remind the audience about who you are. Yeah. And uh, also how what your skin routine is, because you look really glowy I, for no, bedtime. No, honestly, it is a ring light. It is not. <laughs> it is not. Not the one. I don't have it the is ring light. Is working. It's working. Yeah, girl, it's working. Just ring light and very, very tired from a day of clients. <laughs> but yeah so, you cannot tell so I am a clinical psychologist um so I you know was practicing as a clinical psychologist and um I was actually working in an inpatient unit for people with dementia um and that was what my job was um and then I got pregnant um and it was a fairly turbulent pregnancy it wasn't straightforward at all um I experienced like a loss of a, a twin within the pregnancy I had multiple issues that were just kind of put down to side effects of pregnancy and like you know when you're collecting them and you're like how many more side effects of pregnancy can mm -hmm. there be mm -hmm. um and then at around um I think around 25, 26 weeks, I started to have a spike in blood pressure and then um, experienced, in the end, preeclampsia. So I ended up having my baby at 31 plus one. Um, and then we spent five to six weeks um, in neonatal care. Um, 
I kind of talk about my experience a little bit more in the episode that I did with you before. Um, but I guess the the main thing that I came away from that experience was is that I experienced a post postnatal anxiety and knew very little about it at that point. Kind of figuring out what of this is normal after a NICU stay, what of this is normal after after becoming a mum, but also reaching out to my healthcare providers and them not being able to really give me those answers either, or give me access to the support. Um, of where to turn to specifically after having the NICU experience um, that it just didn't seem available in the UK so I started posting about my experience I started talking a little bit more in depth about some of the feelings that I was having on Instagram um, just on my personal page and was just met with other parents who had been through it going me too I feel that too and there were just so many common themes so I met um, this other mum called Georgie who also had her baby at 31 weeks over Instagram she's about um, four hours away from me um, but we just have not stopped talking since that point so we talk every single day and we set up Miracle Moon and I provide all of the content on there and she she does the graphic design um so she kind of supports with things like the website and stuff but she's also my emotional support <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> but she feel that yeah she's just you know one of those people that you can just talk to every day um and just kind of run run by how you're feeling so we kind of set this up together um and the, it's just grown so we've kind of been doing miracle move for maybe for, for about three years now um I now have kind of have retrained so I now specialize in EMDR um mm -hmm. so doing the trauma therapy the eye movement therapy um and work just with uh, families who have been through neonatal care and mostly kind of managing them um post postnatally um but we're mm -hmm. keen to do things and I have done things with like antenatal providers and working with staff um we are doing things like courses and webinars and groups and I do one-to-one -one therapy and developing tons of resources for people so we're just trying to get it out there as much as possible because the support for people post NICU in the UK is really limited so that's what that's what our aim is trying to kind of get the word out there advocate and yeah mm -hmm. and change some stuff I hope yeah, yeah. that's so cool absolutely at the end the the webs your website is such a great place to start for resources there is so much there um it's really cool to see how you you grow and continue to grow and then also you know Ashley and I talk about this all the time social media is a really hard place to be as a postpartum mom a, a NICU parent um because there's a lot digesting that is that is triggering and upsetting to us either you know, we see friends and family who are hitting milestones or having experiences that we wish that we could have had that are painful to us. Or sometimes we see things and it's, uh, you know, um, it's triggering in the other sense. You know, we're seeing horrible tragedies happen to people or, or other medical circumstances. So it can be overwhelming. And I think that you strike a really wonderful balance of um, being real and true and vulnerable, but also being safe. So mm. we're really thank you thankful for you to be doing that with your community because it's I know it's valuable to me I know it's valuable to Ashley we talk about that all the time social media is a weird beast it is yeah yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah. 
And and I know that we spoke about that in the previous episode about how to yes. kind of just be aware of your own mental health within social media because it, ha- it mm-hmm. can have such an influence, can't it? Even like right. the the kind of general kind of parenting account yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. So just true. noticing how that makes you feel when you're looking at that is super yeah. important. Yeah. Well, and maybe a good question to start with then uh, that I think really ties in well to your personal experience of a provider and as a NICU mom is talking a little bit about the difference between like maybe seeing a traditional psychiatrist or therapist and somebody who specializes in maternal mental health. Uh, One feedback we get a lot in some of our support groups is like, I saw a therapist, they looked at me like I was crazy. They didn't understand what I was talking about, and they ultimately leave that appointment feeling really hurt. And then they're able to connect with a maternal mental health specialist and go, oh, okay, that's what I needed. So would you be able to just kind of define the differences between those two types of, of providers or services? I guess it's the it's the difference in kind of training and an awareness, I guess. So mm-hmm. in recognizing and treating the symptoms of depression and anxiety and how they may present differently to your kind of usual depression and anxiety so being able to recognize hey is this birth trauma is there an element of PTSD here knowing that that comes from that can come from birth trauma um Mm -hmm. I think even uh for us in the UK it's still fairly new um in terms of talking about this so I don't think that people go down that route and I know my healthcare providers haven't um, gone down mm-hmm. that route of kind of assessing for things like PTSD or birth trauma, even though, you know, going through a neonatal experience. So I just don't think that there are a lot of people who are trained or clued up. So people who work in maternity services should be more kind of trained and clued up. If you think about like depression and you think about the kind of screening measures that they use, a lot of the questions that they they talk about are standard motherhood right so it mm. talks about things like concentration or difficulty with sleeping or um can't sit still and if you have a baby or a toddler like those things are going to happen right so yeah. being able to differentiate it and think about like bonding thinking about like the things like intrusive thoughts um and you know not making people feel like um, shameful for feeling those kind of thoughts is super important and being able to normalize it. Yeah. So I, there's that one part of it, but also then thinking about the fact that that, you know, perinatal or postpartum support should have access to multidisciplinary perinatal community services who would be able to easily refer to like mother yeah. and baby units if you needed them or psychiatrists or other doctors link with other health visitors and then support for your child if you needed it as well so yeah. it's yeah and it's just kind of thinking about that that difference between normal normal motherhood behavior and what, what maybe needs a little bit more support yeah and also then an element of that is um creating as few barriers as possible to get to that point as too, right? Because it's one thing to say, you know, let's see, you know, let's find a provider that works for you or specializes in trauma or specializes in maternal mental health or something like that. And then it's one finding one that understands the NICU lens or the special needs lens or the disability lens. And on top of that, you know, 
it's really that full holistic approach. And obviously, you know this, we're, we're in two really different healthcare systems, but neither yeah. is perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to like, you, you really have to be in a place to advocate for yourself right now for to get to those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just something different about seeing someone who has that experience of working in that kind of postpartum period at being able to empathize at a different level and just really get it so not needing to explain everything yourself so like I when I was uh having therapy doing therapy the other day and someone was like you know what it's just really nice not having to explain what CPAP is and TPN and like you know and just Mm -hmm. I know that you you get it so I think Mm -hmm. that's important too because otherwise you just spend all your time explaining what all of those different things are yeah yeah and and because they don't know uh, because there's like a lens of, of misunderstanding, sometimes they don't full, fully understand the severity of it mm. because the NICU is a really protected place. So unless you're really in it mm. um, or provider or, or have had that experience, it's hard to really grasp um, uh, the intensity of it and how dire sometimes the situations can be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always remind people in our community and myself that the adult version of the NICU, the ICU, is a place that is very dangerous to be in. So mm. the fact that, you know, you have these tiny babies in this place, it's not like they're just there to hang out so that mom and dad can get extra sleep. It's it's for real reasons. And so, yeah, understanding that reality, um, I'm sure, is really helpful for your clients, too. Yeah. Well, and maybe we can talk then, too, a little bit about you know, when and how long is the postpartum window? Oh, yeah. And, you know, especially after we have our children, like, you know, like the hormonal changes and stuff, we we naturally feel unlike ourselves. But then so much, so much else changes in our brains and in our bodies. So can you walk us through a little bit of what those changes might look like and kind of how long that postpartum window might be? So it, it really depends on, I guess, who you ask. So, the postnatal period begins after childbirth and typically ends around six weeks. So that is when your mother, the mother's body, including hormone levels and like the uterus size is returning to your like non-pregnant state. In the UK, you are under perinatal services until one year. But if you ask me, it doesn't stop. <laughs> so if you right. are a mum, you are in your postnatal period. If you, yes. uh, try- there's the Instagram quote <laughs> <laughs> but if you and you know what I think it starts from trying to conceive and it it's yeah. all the way up until like you know having your child whatever that looks like for you and I think that that word of like postnatal or postpartum is it's it's misunderstood so I think we try yeah. and narrow it down with this period of like six weeks it's something to get through to pass deal with move away like get away from it get back to normal but the thing is is that you have changed like your body Mm -hmm. your heart your mind you've experienced matrescence which is that process of becoming a mother that that's like physical emotional psychological changes that are Mm -hmm. positive but they're also really hard um and it has a long-term impact yeah so yeah you know if i think in terms of thinking about your mental health if you are still impacted years down the line by that NICU mm-hmm. experience or your birth experience or the postpartum pregnancy experience, whatever it is, it's valid no matter how long it's yeah. been. 
Like yeah. if your pelvic floor was still Im- impacted, you would get that seen to, right? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's it's about kind of thinking about it in that kind of that kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. And spoiler alert, the pelvic floors are affected too. <laughs> anyway, that's. But you you know I mean that's such a good point though, and I think it brings there's all sorts of ideas about your recovery after you have a delivery and like that six week window often seems mm-hmm. referred to like that's when you can quote unquote or you're good to go back to intimacy or you can drive a car if mm-hmm. you've had a c-section or something like that yeah and it's somehow ingrained in our minds that just because somebody wrote down in some guidelines somewhere that six six months six weeks should apply to a everybody mm-hmm. b that means that it, it kind of puts this in the back of our mind that if it, anything happens outside of that window, then there's something wrong with me, yes. right? There's shame on me. It's just this other, as opposed to saying it's evolving, it's changing. We're individuals. We have different bodies. Mm-hmm. We have different needs. We have different support systems, right? Yeah. So it would make sense that our recovery is a wide window. Um, and, and also I love thinking about it that it's a binary, right? Like you either you're you are in the postpartum period or you're not right then there's no going back too right yeah and if you think about like the actual changes that happen like physical actual neurological changes that happen to us like there's they talk about like a reduction in gray matter so you our brain isn't shrinking but it is kind of reducing but what it is doing is it's pruning so that it sounds bad but what it means is that our brains are getting more efficient they're prioritizing Mm -hmm. the skills that we need to become a mum which allows us to form greater attachments to our children inter uh, interpret like newborns body language cries detect threats protect babies more ourselves more create deeper stronger bonds with people and those changes mm. remain they don't go back after the six six weeks right um yeah but but it's also thinking about the fact that sleep deprivation has an impact <laughs> on us mm-hmm. trauma has an impact on us and on our brain the mental yeah. load has an impact on us and our, on our brain our hormones you know it's, mm-hmm. it's so much so much <laughs> that goes on for us post postpartum yeah well and you mentioned how um you know the NICU kind of follows us a little bit and I think that's so true for so many moms who have medically complex kiddos Mm -hmm. or just the NICU grad who has like you know those follow-up appointments to make sure that baby is growing Mm -hmm. and different things but when you're kind of returning back to that medical environment over and over and over again it's like we're kind of reintroducing ourselves to that traumatic experience over and over again um and for many of us they don't graduate out of that until they're like you know out of early intervention or and then you know revamps when you're back in school and you're looking at eips and all of that stuff so um i think like you said not only those physical changes but just like the lifestyle changes that happen with having a more medically complex kid too yeah and you're just you are then just in that survival mode bit for the majority of the time aren't you and just having to you know fight firefight with illness after illness or appointments and Yes. Yeah. Completely flip your life upside down from, you know, before kids. Yeah, for sure. Well, can we talk then a little bit about, you know, some of the more common definitions we hear of postpartum uh, maternal mental health would be things like baby blues. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about what baby blues are and, you know, what other types of mental health shifts a new mom might experience in that postpartum period? Yeah. So 
baby blues are something that is normal to experience after birth. It's where you are sad, fearful, maybe crying more, maybe have, you know, doubts about your ability to become a parent. It, it kind of in, and there isn't a huge amount of um, research around like baby blues and NICU, but this should for, for the majority of people kind of clear around two weeks after having a baby. If you have got your baby in NICU, I think potentially not. Um, but then, you know, post postpartum uh, postnatal depression is, is different. So it's normally the length of time that it, it lasts. And it might not be that it is apparent straight away. It might be something that gets worse over time. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of kind of quantifying the length of time, that's really difficult. And it's kind of thinking about your normal and what's going on for you. And the criteria is changing. So I wouldn't pay too much attention of whether you like fit that box as much. But I would ask yourself like, are you living life like how you want to? Are you distressed? Yeah. Are you finding this hard? And would it benefit you to talk to someone or make some changes yeah. or think about, you know, how you're thinking, how you're feeling and all of that? So you can mm-hmm. kind of go down the route of do I tick the box for all of these criteria or you can just kind of ask yourself mm-hmm. that question. Um, yeah. And that's that's the way that I go down that route with people I tend not to kind of go this is what you've got you've got this as a diagnosis because it changes like you know yeah. diagnostic criteria that changes every couple of years it's how are you right. in this yeah yeah that's so wise because I particularly for the three of us sitting here in our community you're looking at a layering of quite a lot of things you know yeah. obviously if you have a set of mental health conditions walking into pregnancy right Mm-hmm. Or if you've been through fertility, there's trauma, there's mm-hmm. regular hormonal changes, there's family history, all these things layered onto each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley and I text each other all the time. We're like, am I feeling this way because I'm anxious? Am I feeling this way because I, you know, I, th- there's the burden of being a parent to young kids, which is just distinctly hard in yeah. the, the modern age. Is it because of my traumatic experience this? And you can kind of go put your, like go nuts trying to figure it mm-hmm. out. But that in itself is maybe not the right step too, right? Like the step is regardless of what it is, you can find someone who can help you. Like you can find healing and hope, even if you can't like hyper intellectualize your way there. I mean, I'm still going to try, but. (laughs) Well, you know, it's normal human, isn't it? You want to figure out what, what, why you want to try and unpick it a little bit. And yeah, you can spend a bunch of time trying to do that, but I would kind of just be listing what it is that you are struggling with, what's stressing you, what's distressing you. And going that's valid on its own regardless of whether you've got a diagnosis of anything and you deserve support for that yeah Mm -hmm. this is a question that's not on here but I think I've heard from members of our community and I recognize it myself and my dear friends about um almost gaslighting yourself into thinking I'm making this into a big deal, right? Like I, this, <laughs> I should be able to just deal with this. So, yeah. you know, this is hard for everybody. So I, you know, I should just muscle through it. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you would say to a client that said that, or that could help them kind of feel easier or encourage them that they are worthy and their concerns are valid? 
I think one one of the ways that I like to look at motherhood is um, there's a, a person called Dr. Sophie Brock. I don't know if you've come across her, but she talks about the fishbowl of motherhood and the fact that when you become a mum, it's like you're a fish being placed in this brand new fishbowl and you're trying to figure out your new surroundings. Motherhood and society is that fishbowl. So you are not ever just a mum in your own experience, you're a motherhood in society. And that's where a lot of these shoulds come from. Mm. So uh, what I would do is I would notice what type of thoughts your brain is giving you. If they begin with a should, I would kind of go, where does that come from? Is that me? Like, am I invalidating myself by doing that? Should, like, is that coming from my parents? Is it coming from my friends? Like, is it coming from Instagram? Like, where is that kind of coming from? And actually do that bit of checking in with yourself and going, remove the should, how am I feeling right now? And answer that as a as a kind of question, I guess. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's a great way to, to, to position it in your brain. Yeah. And also that feeling that you said that regardless of diagnosis, like you're deserving a feeling at peace. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. And not to feel like you're struggling alone. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I think some people are like, you know, I'm not bad enough or I've, you know, other people yeah. have got it worse. And I think especially if you are in a like a NICU community, you see that and you do see mm-hmm. other people who you know have it worse quote unquote like or there is natural comparison there like you know we are social beings that compare like that is just what we do but it's about kind of reining it back in checking in with yourself like is that comparison helping you right now or is it more helpful to kind of just go okay so what do I need right now what do I (laughs) I need some support right now regardless of the fact that someone else is is struggling I need that support like if someone else's leg is broken more than your leg, yeah, right. you know, like you don't kind of go, oh, I'm not going to get support for my broken leg. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I think we did something similar on your previous episode, which we will make sure to link in the show notes as well. But I always like to kind of put our providers or specialists on the spot of kind of doing like a an example of how we can in that moment of those shoulds Mm -hmm. and I should be over it, I should be done, like kind of just a practical way to speak to ourselves. So would you be willing to just kind of like, let's say that a mom um, is constantly feeling like the, I should be over this by now. This shouldn't affect me as much as it is. It's past that six week postpartum period and I still don't feel like myself. What are some gentle ways that in those moments where she just feels incredibly defeated, you know, what are some things that she can say to herself to get her through to the next moment? Okay. So what I would do is maybe start by writing it down. So get the thoughts out of your head and onto paper, um, because then it means that you can kind of notice them, recognize them and get them out of your brain. So I'd write it all down onto paper and then I would go, okay, I noticed that these are thoughts I'm going to validate these thoughts these thoughts are valid and then it's thinking about what it is that you need to do with those thoughts so can you go down the route of kind of going if there's stuff that you need to do with those thoughts can you move out of like worrying or beating yourself up and move into problem solving with it so remove the should from that and just think about like what it is that you need in that situation move into problem solving with it is there something that I can do about this kind of practically can I do it now if I can do it now do it now 
if I can't do something, if it's a hypothetical situation, then it's about trying to figure out how to let it go. I think also it's really important in those situations when those shoulds come up, when those kind of toxic positivity, like self-statements or gaslighting statements come up, it's really important to just check in with yourself and think, how would I talk to somebody that I loved in this situation? Like if if my daughter was coming to me and saying this, how would I be responding to her in this situation? What is it that I would want her to know? And usually that's how we kind of access our compassionate voice is by kind of um, by noticing that. Um, so I would kind yeah. of, you know, a couple of approaches, do a little bit of problem solving, notice and name the thought, write it down, get it out of your head and then kind of compassionate view of it. Yeah. I love that. So you've done such a wonderful job of expressing all the different ways that we might confront the trials of mental illness and mental health postpartum and and post-NICU. Um, well, this is the question. Is there such a thing as a quote unquote normal postpartum period? Is there such a thing? Um, and are there some signs that you as an individual can look out for that may indicate that you would want to seek additional support, that you want to reach out to a therapist, to a psychologist, to a psychiatrist. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what? It would be so much easier and so much clearer if we did <laughs> know the right. difference to the two. I think right. though, even... a, a light would go off in your right. house and it's like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But I think even experts in the field of perinatal mental health aren't always as clear about it as they would like to be and I think because there's that you know because of that so many people get underdiagnosed with um things like post postpartum depression and and other mental health issues but I guess what we do know is that the image of the always happy gracefully content you know perfect mom is with a peaceful baby is it's a myth it, that doesn't exist mm-hmm. and that's what we kind of expect to happen yeah. Yeah, yeah. um so I, I think there's a, an adjustment to that in in your expectations or you know we've spoken about before that kind of going into you know having a baby in NICU and not having a lot of the things that you expected to have and that being a grieving process But then also thinking about the fact that your normal, quote unquote, or healthy postpartum adjustment includes anxiety filled moments or like moments where you're isolated or overwhelmed and there is uncertainty there. And, you know, the majority of mums in this category who just experience that will feel better with reassurance or community support, for example. You know, thinking about people who experience like the baby blues, like we spoke about it some some of those mood swings are normal and expected as part of your postpartum and like something like 85% or something like that experience baby blues and it goes away on their own you expect some appetite changes difficulty sleeping a decrease in sex drive um but you know there is there is normalness within that but then there are approximately like one in 5 to 10 women it depends on what research you look at who will experience perinatal mood disorders like anxiety or post postpartum depression and that will kind of interfere with their ability to function as much so that means that their symptoms related to things like depression or anxiety will impact their ability to sleep outside of baby waking them up 
to eat properly again outside of baby interrupting that or work or look after their children or engage in activities that were once like pleasure pleasurable to them um or connecting with other people in social situations mm. so it's kind of thinking about those mums who are just struggling more than in that kind of adjustment to motherhood but maybe maybe they don't fit that criteria for a depression or an anxiety disorder but those mums still need that support because yeah. they need to be able to thrive in in motherhood um so it's it's kind of about kind of again spectrum isn't it with it um and we get this kind of desire to be this kind of perfect mum or this you know even like you know typical mum in that kind of way and usually we don't get that after our NICU experiences so that kind of added layer of kind of self-doubt and expectation can just make us feel like really inadequate or stressed and that in itself even if it's not like a you know disorder is worth looking at I guess yeah yeah. But I think, you know, like understanding that difference is confusing mm. because it is it is confusing. Like, you know, there's yeah. there's not rules or books or like guidelines to yeah. figure out whether a mum is struggling postpartum. And the only guide for that is the mum herself mm. of going, this is different yeah. to my normal. And I know motherhood is different to your normal anyway, but I, I don't feel right. I need yeah. some yeah. more support. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are some countries that are doing more work in this area than others because probably is it a bad idea if universally all people who have delivered babies right within like a six week window talk with somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Have that conversation because like you said, regardless of all the other factors we experience, the NICU and the trauma, you know, how, how hard all those things are. Um, it is just a huge identity shift. Yeah. It's like a massive identity shift. It changes every part of you. And so having that holistic view of you as a person, yes, you're healed. Yes, you can walk in a straight line. Um, you know, maybe, you're, maybe your stomach still twinges when you laugh too hard at new girl or whatever. But you, um, you still deserve to be heard. And if you're struggling, you still deserve support. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know if I've shared it before on the podcast, but the first person I saw, you know, I went and saw a, a therapist afterwards and they told me that I didn't look like I had postpartum depression so that they couldn't treat me. <laughs> and, um, right. And so I also want to acknowledge that sometimes it's hard, um, because you might hear that from a medical provider themselves, maybe negating your experience and that's really hard and, and unfair for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still are worthy and should continue to advocate for yourself for care because there there are fantastic providers out there who will be willing to help you, whether that's in a group setting, individual setting. Um, and I mean, Miracle Moon, Dear Nikki Mama, these are examples of places where that lives um, uh, and, and is possible, you know, and you can you can find support. So, yeah. But it's also like, you know, if you get someone, you know, a therapist or something like that who is is clued up in kind of um post mm. postnatal support it might be that you just don't gel with them and that's fine yeah, that's too. Point. like you can you know kind of 
have a look at different therapists you can do kind of different different calls with people to see whether you gel you're not going to gel with everybody and that's really important as well to find the right kind of person for you as well to feel comfortable in talking to and opening up and it's okay if you start with a therapist to go hey I don't think this is right and it's important that you are able to do that as well right a great point well, and as NICU moms, we're really good at advocating for our kids, right? Like that's just like it becomes our second full-time job on top of like being a parent. But sometimes that extra strength it takes to advocate to ourselves feels impossible. And yet, mm. you know, sometimes I wonder like if we were to devote even just a fraction mm. of the levels that we're willing to go for our children in regards to our own mental health, mm. just how that might be totally changing our lives, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. – um, and also recognizing how much work it is. So not saying that it's like going to happen overnight, but also to really give ourselves permission to advocate on behalf of our mental health because it's important too. Yeah. And um, like you said, there's multiple different providers. And um, if it's not the right fit, that we would take that extra step and go, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to advocate for the right fit because I'm worthy of it. Definitely. We've mm-hmm. we've done a post recently on Instagram that was talking about the fact that NICU mums should never have two. And then we talked about things like be on a, a postnatal ward with um, mums yeah. with their babies or, um, you know, be in a room, a, a maternity room with a, a cot in it um, or not have access to things like their meals or their medication. Um, and I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but that is a really common experience over here in the UK. But you are in those moments not advocating for yourself because your baby is down in NICU and you are spending all of your energy mm-hmm. and everything in in them um and yeah. that doesn't mean you know there's anything wrong or bad with you for like not advocating for yourself yeah. in that no. you are just in survival mode and that lasts Absolutely. for a really long time um, yeah and for sure I think you get to the point and I I I don't know about you guys but I noticed this around the kind of like nine to twelve month mark I don't know whether it's about like birthdays trauma anniversary something like that like the kind of the NICU experience is far enough away but still close enough but that seems to be a period of time when people start to kind of go hey wait a second I'm struggling a little bit more here and that is the Mm -hmm. time when uh, perinatal services in the UK stop um so you know around that kind of one year period that the majority of the people that I see are around that period Um, yeah so it it might be that it takes a little bit of time and for people who've got like medically complex children maybe even longer because Mm -hmm. you know at that point then it's the dust is settling and you're going Mm -hmm. now I need a little bit more more support and advocating for yourself well and that kind of brings us to like one of our closing questions of just you know for some of our NICU moms who do have medically complex kids or maybe just have been in survival mode and are are slowly coming out of that to begin to process their experiences but there's been significant distance from their birth experiences what encouragement would you offer those moms who just still don't feel quite like themselves and would still say that I'm struggling this isn't what I expected you know what words of hope would you offer them I think it I I say this a lot, but I really believe it. It does not matter how long it has been. It doesn't matter how long you were in NICU. It doesn't matter what gestation your baby was born at. 
if you feel like it's impacting you and if you need the space to talk, to think, to move with your experience, then access that support. Like you can find this new version of yourself. And even if it is just, you know, explorative work that you want to do in kind of going, I've been through this massive, massive shift and massive change. Like you don't have to have postpartum depression or anxiety, but it's about discovering all those parts of you that now exist and moving towards what feels right for you in this new life that you have now what what you value what's important for you and you know I think about identity is a bit of a like soundboard and it's thinking about like all the different parts of you what's kind of louder what are you bringing up what do you what do you need to bring up what do you want to bring up more and just kind of getting that balance and it's ever changing but it's kind of figuring out what that is for yourself and paying that a bit of attention to yeah Well, and a common theme I'm sensing throughout this episode is just that your experience is valid. Yeah. And so our hope for all of our moms listening today is that this episode would be that affirmation that what you've went through is significant and how you're feeling today is valid and you are worthy of the care that you need to get through this next moment. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, kind of as a closing thought, Frankie, what – what word of hope would you offer to um, maybe moms who are like fresh, freshly in the NICU, just had their babies, are really, really close to that, you know, traditional postpartum window? I think the NICU can make you feel like you can't trust your gut. It's quite difficult, mm-hmm. I think, uh, when you've been through the NICU to kind of go like, what is my my gut feeling in this? But I think if you're able to, you know, really really think about it pay attention to yourself talk to people that you love about it and kind of really like focus on what it is that you are kind of feeling and noticing it is okay to kind of access that support it is absolutely okay to access that support it I think there is a lot of judgment there you feel like you should be you know out of NICU and over it as soon as it's done but know that that is not the case for so many people yeah so Mm -hmm. if you know if you find yourself that you're feeling okay wonderful if you find that you're struggling and you need to talk about it and you need some extra support that is absolutely okay like you know my my page and your page wouldn't exist if people just got out the NICU and were completely okay yeah (laughs) right right so it's (laughs) it's about kind of just normalizing that message of it is okay it's still impacting you you deserve that support no matter Mm -hmm. whether that is months after years after whenever it is yeah yeah well you are such a wealth of knowledge um frankie i wonder if you can share with us one um what because you you kind of alluded to this sometimes in the uk that that support ends right when you might start needing it as a nicu parent in the postnatal period what would you recommend for your, you know, UK community for pursuing support after? And how can they leverage Miracle Moon to kind of help fill fill that in too? Yeah. So in the UK, you have access to NHS, depending on, um, you know, where you're living. You should have access to perinatal support and you should have access to cognitive behavioral services 
which are non-specialized um, support, but that should be available. There should be different charities in your area who are able to support you, you know, without you having to pay for it. But then there is a whole wealth of um, people privately as well that you can access. Um, and you can do that through the Psychology Today website, um, or like we've got a resource on our website where I've got a list of different people. If you don't want to talk to me, there's a whole list of different people that I've got on there um, that, uh, that support other people. Um, but in terms of if you wanted to access me, then I do things like the one-to-one -one stuff and the EMDR. Um, and then the things that I'm trying to do for kind of worldwide stuff is the, the kind of courses that we're doing. So, for example, at the moment, we've got a free webinar on um, our oh, website on identity. Mm -hmm. So on kind of finding your identity after NICU and that's there. We're going to be doing things like um, courses on birthdays and health anxiety. And hopefully that can just, you know, touch as many different people as possible who need that extra, extra support. I love that. Cannot encourage anyone enough to, to follow you on social media mm -hmm. and to go check out the website because there's a lot there, including a cute shop. Yeah. <laughs> You never know when you need to do some stress shopping too. Oh man. Yeah. And again, for folks in the States too, if you're on the hunt for a provider, psychology today, like Dr. Harrison mentioned, great resource. Also postpartum support international. We always preach them in um, North America, or if you're looking for a provider who's certified in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, commonly known as PMADS. <laughs> yes. Well, Dr. Frankie, thank you so much for being here. We will make sure to link all of your services and ways that moms can connect with you in the show notes. But to all of our sisters listening today, uh, like we mentioned earlier, we hope that you feel validated and seen throughout this episode. Um, sometimes, um, you know, speaking from personal experience too, when you get kind of a refresh of all of this information, a lot of things make sense. You're like, oh, okay, so I'm not making this up or that is significant in my life. And so I hope that you feel the same way and um, truly um, take advantage of these resources. Um, they exist to support you because you are worthy of it and you are so very loved exactly where you are today. Uh, so thank you for being in this space with us. We'll be back next week with another episode. But Dr. Frankie, thank you again for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.